Assalamu alaikum and welcome to episode 28 of the Millionaire Muslim podcast. I am Mohsin and today we're going to be talking about Abdurrahman ibn Auf and specifically we're going to be talking about three key lessons that we can learn from his amazing life and the key tips that we can take and hopefully implement in our lives as well. So who was Abdurrahman ibn Auf exactly? He was a companion of the Prophet ﷺ, and he was one of those very, very fortunate souls who were promised Jannah. And what many people don't know is that he was also a supremely successful businessman. For context, it is said that his fortune was today's equivalent of around 500 billion, yes, billion dollars. And for more context, let's put that in today's world. So somebody like Bill Gates, for example, is reportedly worth around $100 billion. So Abdurrahman ibn Auf was around five times more wealthy than even somebody like Bill Gates. That was the level of the success that Abdurrahman ibn Auf had in his business. So I want to look at, in this episode, this man who is a really, really wonderful example for us because he didn't just balance both worlds. He was incredibly, incredibly successful at both his business pursuits and at his religious affairs. And we can see that from the incredible legacy that he's left. I mean, as a businessman alone, amassing that amount of wealth would be seen as a major success in itself. He goes down in his own right as a supremely successful business person. But he didn't just do that. He was also massively successful in his religious pursuits. And as a Muslim, being one of the 10 promised Jannah is, you know, it doesn't get much more successful than that if you want to measure these things on metrics. But achieving both of these things, i.e. the business success and the you know, kind of spiritual success together in, in one life is simply quite astonishing. And if we want to be successful in that rounded manner, then we definitely need to look at the life of Abdurrahman ibn Auf so that we can even pick up just a nugget from his life. And if we can implement that, then we will be somewhere, inshallah, towards what would be determined as success. So I want to look at three key lessons that I believe we can take from the life of Abdurrahman ibn Auf. And I also want to share crucially how I think that we can then implement them in our own lives so that we can get closer towards some of this success. So number one, the first key lesson that I think we can take from Abdurrahman ibn Auf is flexibility. When Abdurrahman ibn Auf arrived in Medina, you have to understand that he had given up a life of relative ease, although things were pretty difficult for Muslims at the time in Mecca. Abdurrahman ibn Auf was an established merchant in Mecca, and he could very well have prioritized his own personal business comfort over the very difficult decision to make Hijrah to Medina. But he didn't do that. He made the decision to go to Medina, and he had to start from scratch. And he was willing to do that because he thought that that was the best thing to do in the wider context, having 
thought about things in the round. And just applying this to us, what, what is the key lesson that we can take from this in our own lives? And I was thinking about this, and flexibility is just such an important part of our daily lives and not necessarily one that we think about consciously but I think it's important that we do because it's such an important skill and, a, and an important attribute to have and I've seen firsthand how people who are just generally more flexible and willing to adapt in life are generally the ones that are more successful and it's certainly something that I'm thinking about constantly not just for myself but also for my kids because flexibility seems to me to be one of those things that you can kind of learn that attribute just by your circumstances from an early age. So I've noticed, for example, that children who have had to move a lot during their youth, um, and Ibrahim is actually a good example of this, are generally more flexible in life. You know, kids who've had to move schools and they've, they've had to do all these different things, they by their very definition they take on this attribute of flexibility because they've had to be flexible their whole life and thinking about this you know more more closely and giving you examples so in a professional context you have to adapt your working style for example to the client that you're working for or the partner that you're working for so I mean that will vary from job to job but speaking as a lawyer I know that for example that certain clients they like things in certain in certain ways, whether that's the communication by email, how regularly you update them, you know, certain preference for documents being in certain ways. And, and you know, there are lots of things that we can talk about there. And equally, the, the person internally that you're working for, whether that's uh, a partner in a law firm or, you know, a manager in, in, in a business organization that is not a law firm, they like things in different ways and it's up to you uh, as an employee or you know, whatever your position is to flex and to be able to show that you can adapt and you've got the emotional intelligence to adapt whatever it is that you're doing to make it the best possible thing that it can be for the person that's receiving that and that's a that's a really really crucial skill and certainly you know, speaking as a lawyer I know that that's that's where the very best lawyers stand out. Flexibility is really, really important for lawyers. But it's not just lawyers. I mean, if you're a doctor, for example, there's lots of flexibility that you need to have, not just dealing with your colleagues and their style, but also, for example, if you're dealing with patients, then you need to be flexible in your bedside manner because different patients need a different uh, mannerism with them. And I'm sure this all comes up in your training and so on and so forth. And you, you're probably actually demonstrating flexibility without really thinking about it but when you do just take a step back and think about flexibility you'll understand just how important it is and you know if you're a teacher for example you know that certain students need to be handled in a different way whatever your field is flexibility is always important so in your in your professional life that will help you to perform the best way that you can but then I want to think a bit more widely about this and get a little bit closer to the example of, of the Rahman ibn Auf. He demonstrated the ability to shrug off his comforts and get out there and, and really do something. And I want to think about that for a moment because in today's world of you know pretty comfortable living and we're creatures of, of habit, when was the last time that 
you really set out to achieve something that you wanted to achieve but you know that thing needed the flexibility to demonstrate that you can get out of your comfort zone and actually do that thing so I want you to reflect for a moment about just one thing that you've always wanted to do but you've never quite done and I think we've all got something like that for me it's probably something like learning Arabic or memorizing the Quran a bit more or something similar to that and for you, it's probably instantly come to mind, as I've mentioned that thing, there's that one nagging thing in the back of your mind that you know that you should do or that you wanted to do, you know, whether it's related to your professional life or whether you just wanted to do it for whatever. Uh, you know, it could be that coding course that you're meaning to enroll on or that language course or whatever it is, you know, the, the side hustle that you've been meaning to start, but you haven't. Whatever it is, you'll know in the back of your head what that is. And I want you to really think about how is it that you can get out of your comfort zone to achieve that thing and what is it that's prevented you from achieving that thing so far and the answer in part will boil down to this element of flexibility that we're talking about. Now I'm not necessarily saying that we all need to go to the lens of Abdul Rahman ibn Auf and you know quit our towns and our jobs and go and pursue this other thing but I want you to use Abdurrahman ibn Aus flexibility as inspiration for you to at least get out of your comfort zone and I don't know sacrifice maybe that one hour in an evening where you're just watching Netflix or something and do that thing that you've been meaning to do that thing that instantly came to mind when I talked about, you know, what's that nagging thing that you've always been meaning to do but have never quite done, why is it that you've not been able to achieve that? And if it means that you can sacrifice a little bit of time and just get out of your comfort zone a little bit, then frankly, we, we should probably be doing that. And I say that to myself first and foremost. The second key lesson that I want to talk about is hustle. And by that, I mean sort of hard work and just getting on with things and doing it and before I go into uh, the actual lesson just to mention here that we did an episode on this episode 17 I think it's called work hard and just do it where it's basically me and Ibrahim having a bit of a rant but anyway going back to Abdul Rahman ibn Auf there's a famous story of when he arrived at Medina and the Prophet ﷺ at the time, uh, he was pairing people up. So new entrants with, with people that were already in Medina. And Abdul Rahman ibn Auf was partnered with uh, Sa'ad ibn al-Rabir. And Sa'ad had offered to Abdul Rahman ibn Auf to split his wealth in half with him. And clearly that would have made Abdul Rahman ibn Auf's life a lot easier um, to get that kind of handout when you first enter into a new city um, is very, very positive. But Abdul Rahman ibn Auf politely refused and famously then said, instead, direct me to the marketplace. And those words are really, really interesting because he consciously didn't take a handout and he actively wanted to work hard for his money. He knew that he had an ability to generate cash if he was given uh, a place in the market and he has to be directed to the market because he knew that that's where he would make his money. And 
clearly the rest is history as I mentioned earlier you know Abdul Rahman ibn Auf was a supremely successful trader and he had amassed today's equivalent of about 500 billion dollars and there's some really really important things to talk about as well when he's in the marketplace Abdul Rahman ibn Auf he is always fair he is always honest in his deals he mentions the faults of the goods um, and he importantly he he takes profits um, he doesn't hold out for you know significant profits if somebody offers him something where he's making money the customer is happy then he tended to sell the goods and he had a very very cash generative business and if you are in business you'll you'll know what this term means but even if you're not you've probably got an idea anyway in short a cash generative business means a business that produces a lot of free cash flow what that means is that people think that businesses success um, is attributed to the profit that it makes and in part it is but profit is no good unless that profit can actually be seen in cash and let me give you a simple example so if I'm selling um, uh, I've got a toy hot air balloon in front of me uh, which is one of my kids uh, so let's say I'm selling toy hot air balloons and <clears throat> I buy them from my supplier and I have to pay them on uh, on delivery so I pay them instantly but my customers are large department stores and they I give them a credit facility because their standard terms are that they want 30 days to pay so that is not a cash generative business because I'm buying in all this stock so let's say I spend 10,000 pounds a month on stock and I don't get any of that money for another 30 days that's not a cash generative business um, because my money is constant even when I receive the money from the customers for that order I'm plowing a lot of that back in to um, to receiving the orders again what you want is a situation where it is cash generative Abdurrahman ibn Auf had a very very cash generative business and you know there's a very key fundamental business lesson there for us which is you know always try and be thinking about your business from a from a cash generation uh, perspective and in terms of the lessons that we can take from from that little example I mean, one of the really key ones that I, that I like to pick out is that he of the Rahman ibn Auf clearly refused uh, a handout and he would have been perfectly well entitled and it would have been perfectly reasonable for actually for him to take that handout but he didn't he wanted to rely on his own spirit and hard work and actually in a way that refusal of the handout made him more hungry and I want to think about how we can apply that as well because there are lots of times where we get certain opportunities to receive certain um, you know benefits in life whether whether it's you know uh, a grant for a business or whatever it is and I'm not saying by the way that you should refuse these things as they come I mean they they are good things all I'm saying is that we should think about the extent to which it makes us less hungry and that's the really key point I want you to really understand that when you are taking uh, handouts or you're getting some sort of benefit from somewhere the question you need to ask yourself is is that making me less hungry and if it is making me less hungry I either need to refuse it 
or in the best way possible, take it, but ensure that I'm remaining hungry um, in whichever context you have. So if, for example, your, your, you know, your business is getting £100,000 grant, you either refuse it because you know that if I get this, I'm going to be thinking, you know, I've, I've basically made it and I don't need to do all this other work that I was going to do. Or you take it and you make sure that it doesn't make you any less hungry. So, for example, you plow it straight into the business on something that the business needs. And it's as if you didn't receive it, but the business has taken the benefit of that grant in some way or another. Your context would apply and you'll be able to apply it. But the the point the key point underlying this is that make sure that you're always hungry because hunger for success in whichever sphere that you're in will drive your hard work and that will drive the results inshallah and just to finish on this second point one of the other things about the rahman ibn awf was that he had haters as well um people used to mock him for uh donating simply to show off and Allah actually revealed a verse against these people and said that, you know, indeed it's, it's, it's Allah that scoffs at these people rather than them scoffing at Abdul Rahman ibn Awf's generosity. Success tends to breed hatred and jealousy amongst people. And it's important that you manage that as you, as you become more and more successful. The third and final point that I want to touch on in terms of a key lesson from the life of Abdul Rahman ibn Awf is his ability to use wealth for the greater good. He didn't amass wealth for the sake of amassing wealth. He donated with extreme generosity. But it wasn't just that. It wasn't just his donations of money to, to causes. They are in themselves good things, and we should definitely do that. But Abdul Rahman ibn Auf was on the front line. He was devoting his time and his efforts and you know putting his life on the line when it came to Islam and, and giving. And although monetary donations that we give are good, we also need to think about what are we contributing more widely. So Abdul Rahman ibn Awf, he, as I mentioned, he was putting his life on the line in battles. He was donating not just, not just his time, but he was donating a lot of money as well. And also he was very, very learned. He was somebody that was given um, permission during the life of the Prophet ﷺ to deliver fatawa, for example, he was he was very, very learned. And he had this kind of holistic and rounded contribution to Islam that a lot of us would struggle with. And the key lesson, I think, for us is that, yes, do the kind of entrepreneurship and become wealthy for the sake of Allah and this, that, the other. But what does that actually mean? Does it mean just setting up a load of direct debits in your charities I don't think it does mean that. I think it means that we need to take a lesson from the life of, of, of Abdul Rahman ibn Auf and yes, do all of the monetary charity things, but also make sure that our life is more meaningful to contribute to society and contribute to the Muslim ummah in whichever way that we can. Whatever your pursuit is, there is a wider purpose and a wider vision that will help the Muslim society. It can't just be that we see the route to success as I'm going to get wealthy by doing this thing which is completely unrelated to Islam and is not going to help anybody. And then I'm just going to set up a load of direct debits and it'll be brilliant. You know, for example, it might be that your business isn't entirely unrelated to 
Muslims in Islam, and that's that's perfectly fine as long as as long as it is halal. But then, have you got a vision for you know, if I achieve p- this particular benchmark, what am I going to do for the contribution of Muslims? So uh, you know, and there are a good number of people in the UK. I can think of at least a couple off the top of my head who have become very very wealthy in their business lives doing stuff that was unrelated to uh, Islam and, and Muslims, but they then pretty much quit their pursuit and pursued full-time, or they set up organizations which are now contributing very, very, very positively to to Muslims and Islam um, in the UK and globally. So have this vision of what's my overarching thing what is this big thing that i'm going to do for muslims and islam and how is that going to look and what do i need to achieve to get there so that might that might be in itself the thing that you're pursuing or it might be that you know you say when i get to x level of wealth and i can leave my business and i can leave my job or whatever and and really pursue this project full time what is that project have that project outlined have it mapped out because who knows whether you're going to be able to achieve that goal or not. But I would hope, inshallah, that if I had mapped out a project and I actually had a plan that when I get to this point, I'm going to do this particular project, I would hope that on the Day of Judgment, even if I hadn't been able to achieve that, that I would be able to say to Allah that you know I, I firmly had this intention, I had it all mapped out, circumstances didn't, uh work in the way that allowed me to actually do that project but i had it all mapped out i had a vision i had a goal and you'll be surprised actually you'll be surprised that even even if it looks remote right now even just writing it down and mapping the whole thing out and thinking about that journey will subconsciously mold your present day efforts and with a lot of hard work a lot of effort and a lot of dua you will inshallah get to that goal so those are the three lessons i sincerely pray that allah gives us all the barakah that he gave to uh, the likes of abdurrahman ibn auf in our own affairs so that we can be successful in our pursuits jazakallah khair for listening and if you've not subscribed then do subscribe if you've not left us a review then please do and jazakallah khair assalamu alaikum